My guest studied the history of science and her interests vary from philosophy of mathematics to computation. After graduating, she instantly entered the crypto space, first as a journalist with the blog and then as an investor. She's currently a partner at Dragonfly, where she plays an active role in expanding that portfolio, which includes Near, Celo, Avalanche, DYDX, One Inch, Bybit, Cosmos, or UMA, to name just a few. Celia, welcome to the Stakeborg DAO Talks. Thanks so much for having me. It's uh, really a pleasure to be here. Well, before going into crypto details, taking your background into consideration, I'm curious to know how you see crypto in the context of this whole technological evolution. Oh, you mean, okay, crypto and technology. That's a good question. Well, it really caught me off guard here with like a very <laughs> big question. The first question. Okay, so yeah, that's a good question. I, well... I guess like people really, usually the way people kind of talk about uh, crypto and why it is important for a human being, they talk about it from the economic perspective. Um, they say, okay, at first uh, we need a centralized ledger and then uh, we have to trust someone. So then the emergence of bank um, and we have to like all go to the bank and have this, our accounts and we have to trust that the bank doesn't mess us up. Um, it is actually less common that people think about it from um, the whole, like, think about the whole uh, cryptocurrency from the evolutions of uh, this, of the scientific revolution. And um, when people do talk about it, they talk about the privacy, right? Like the actual, the tech, underlying tech, like how a blockchain works. And I think what, in the whole context of uh, the technology, technological revolutions from, well, I study early early 20th century till now, blockchain is, well, blockchain is one of those things. Okay, that, okay, this is actually a very good question because I can, <laughs> we can talk about it from like the perspective of, I read something very lately where it, the arguments about how this is actually a better forms of human organizations that solve the the problems that was first proposed by um, some philosophers in the late 19th centuries about um, sort of like the dead ends of uh, capitalism where mm -hmm. uh, private possessions would necessarily lead to um, like a rebel effect where people yeah. feel alienated from their uh, productions of labor. Um, that's an angle that we can go for, but it's almost too abstract and um, so the another angle that you can sort of go for is, well, that's really caught me off guard there. Cause I like, it can be like very extremely, <laughs> it can be extremely abstract where you talk about like how is new way of organizing human labors. To be honest, I don't think that's very abstract as in, I understand why you why you would consider that it's not like super easy to 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 be understood, but I think right. I think that angle is like speaks a lot for uh, the context of uh, why blockchain happened at this point in time, and yeah. why it was maybe a consequence of some other events that we didn't like. We didn't connect the dots until we see blockchain today and say, well, mm, this is what actually happened. Yeah. I mean, you're right. Like, right. Like the emergence of Bitcoin, um, people have been like thinking about the tech uh, for many, many years before Satoshi actually came out with it. But the reason why it really kickstart and pick up like a, like a very small but substantial momentum is because of the financial crisis, right? But underlying what it was really horrible about a financial crisis was precisely the fact that you have this entire society where people feel, well, more and more alienated yep. from what they produced and they feel the extremes of the, the wealth gap, right? Uh, the wealthy and the not wealthy that are not doing well. And um, they feel like a, a huge destruct of the, the social construct in which they lived under. And um, they want an alternative where they can escape. Yep. And to be fair, like people have proposed alternative way to uh, to escape that, right? Like um, 
it's, I mean, like, if you kind of like going off of that framework, like people propose that, okay, what about let us just abandon private possession of, of properties? Now that could, that could potentially work, right? So, I mean, which as we all know, it was the, the Marxism, uh, the communism of the world. Yep. Um, and some people, and frankly, when Bitcoin first came up, it was sort of like people kind of like parallel that with the whole like Marxism thing, which is, it's like very ridiculous to think about yeah. <laughs> because it's like the opposite of that. But precisely it was because uh, it, 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 it does this, it will do if it works the same blow to the, to the establish, establishment, right? So, so yes, so the tech um, uh, cryptography has been around for thousands of years, right? Like the Caesar cipher thing where you shift the letter. Um, it has just has been around for many, many years, but what really made this thing stick and become the uh, many blockchains that we're working with today is because you kind of got to a, 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 you know, like inflection point where people feel like this alternative uh, is, is attractive enough. It, it was never, uh, we have never gone to the, yeah. to that point before, before the uh, 2008. So um, yeah, I hope that partially answered your question. I know you want to talk about the scientific revolution, um, which happened a while ago. Uh, and, um, and the history of computation, certainly, and it has been ongoing. But frankly, like the advance in science, it is almost, and it is more and more so that they're so far above our practical world in which there's like little applications, that gap is like shortening as we move forward while well, you see like the AIs or whatever. Yeah. It is shortening, but it is still super advanced. So usually you don't see them in, in, the, in the practical application layer. But in the rare case, it does. Uh, in this case, I guess there are a lot of social elements to it. Hmm. Let me try like uh, with a similar question, but a bit more specific because obviously I think the 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 first question if if you never like actually th really thought about it it's like your brain goes in like whole many directions uh, oh yeah if like if we think about the early stages of the internet how do you see uh volatility and bubbles in the context of that innovation because right now we are we are discussing about the fact that well we have lots of volatility in crypto and people are afraid of that but we, we all know that people are afraid of their of the volatility that goes against them uh, when volatility goes uh, for them in their favor they they love it because they make money the same goes for bubbles right if we think about the fact that the dot com bubble was maybe the an important part of the development of the networks that we've seen for the web too, like the Twitters, the Facebooks, and so on and so mm -hmm. forth. So do we need volatility and bubbles in crypto as well or not? Yeah. I mean, there are like kind of two things going on here. First, like the price uh, swings, like the price movements. Obviously, it is still a volatile market. Like you said, people are happy when they make money. If they... Are, they think that they're all, all for the attack when they're making money and they're yeah not, human nature but oh they're there for attack when they're not making money and they're making money when they're, they're happy when they're making money so they don't really talk about attack so um so that's the first thing the second thing is like that's the price volatility and the market sentiment reflects that the secondary market like it, it is affects by a lot more things that is in the short term than um than what is actually going on with attack right but um, but there's a second volatility is this thing itself, the way it involves, there is a huge contingency and, and it is not, you can't really look at it as, okay, well guys, this eventually will be like the shit and then it will like, excuse my language, the, the thing, and then it will be this perfect shining <laughs> pack thing. And the shit is good. It's good. Yeah. You, you, you can use it. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. Well, like eventually it will be this shit and we can just get through this difficult time. Eventually we'll get there. Right. There are like huge contingency in that process that determine what the final product will look like. And the volatility comes from first when people don't believe that it will become the shit. Yep. And second, 
what the contingency are and how that will determine what the final products look like. It is sort of like, so it, when you look at the internet, it was sort of the same thing, right? Like it is not the case. It is it, it doesn't really necessarily is the case that they know or like regardless whether they know or not back then in the 2000s um that this thing will eventually look like the social media like the facebook right the internet um the video streaming it's because um there are people making like human being making human being decisions yeah. like very crazy stuff like um 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 so very crazy stuff like uh, people decided that they want to use a slightly crappier encryption, uh, and I'm like blinking on the name, but they 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 don't really want to use it. It's like um, they don't really like care about their privacy that much, right? So now um, they don't really care about the end-to-end -end encryption. So they're just going for you know like uh, I sent a message server server messaged me, right? I'm just trusting that no nobody's gonna mess up yeah. um, my my communications. Um, and people, and then, uh, so that results in people love using, um, like regular chatting mechanism than like something like uh, signal or like even text message, frankly, is probably better. Um, but then like WeChat, for example, but, um, so there are huge content contingency that involved in that evolutions, which is a part, second, the second part of the volatility that people were talking about. It is actually, um, it is not good or not or bad. Um, it is when you have the contingency, that means that you you're not really like it's not set. The possibility yeah. is actually infinite, right? Yeah. Um, and that is the part that is like the most exciting about joining. People don't join because like I, I know some people join because they're like, okay, this is definitely the future. But when you really ask, okay, so what exactly is that future look like? It is not set. And they join because of the thrill of like making it like a little a little different a little better than 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 uh than what other people think right and um it is definitely i i definitely think that that's very exciting that's very good in the sense that very good for individuals um in terms of market volatility the first point yeah why not like price crashed all the people that are not supposed to be here that cannot stick around get washed out and who stick around decided that they want to build something so that's pretty good um and yeah and then i i i i think that's this is a good this is the good moment where people uh where people kind of like take a step back yeah so we we, we kind of discussed about web 2 but if we move to web 3 i'm curious to know how would you define web 3 because you can't find one definition that two people agree on. So uh, I think one of the definitions that was like, that I find interesting, and I think many people find it interesting. I think it was given by Chris Dixon from uh, A16Z. Uh, I think he said something like, uh, Web3 gives us the chance to upgrade the networks uh, into like, crypto centered economies and build systems um, where the incentives between network owners, network participants and developers are fully aligned. Is he missing something? Um, I mean, like, I, I, I like that. I like that argument, like, frankly. Okay, so I got asked, like, obviously, if you're investing in Web3, people that is within and outside of the, yeah. like, the space ask you a lot, like, what exactly does that look like? Um, it is, and I'm just proposing that. We can definitely, like, talk about it, like, thought experiment, yeah. something. It is likely that nobody knows exactly what it is, right? Like, okay, we can talk about vague idea and sit here all day, and I'm just going to tell you some big words. And it was like, oh, okay, yeah, that sounds very likely. I will love that happen. Um, but but it is is likely that we don't really get anywhere in that conversation. And I guess, and I've been thinking about this a lot, I guess what people are thinking about, the way they think about it, that make it so difficult to think further than the immediate uh, image of what Web3 is, the immediate impression of what Web3 is, is because like every time think, we think about it, it's like, the top-down approach, right? Like I'm sitting on a cloud, I'm looking at this. Okay, so what is this world gonna look like? 
and that's kind of hard to do. Like it, I, you're, you have to be like a really great visionary. Like some of some of the people actually in, in, in the space are able to kind of chart that out. And Chris Dixon is one of them. I do, can do. So what, like you, I'm like looking at this from like a bottom up perspective, like what exactly does Web3 means? If, and I'm drawing this from my personal experience and I'm spending so, I'm spending so much time on, on Twitter, on, in playing games, like watching videos every day. What is something that me as more and more a digital person um, are looking for, right? I'm looking for an experience um, that, so frankly, I'm already getting that experience partially, right? Like the messaging, the video, watching mm -hmm. the great games and playing, but what am I missing? I'm missing a social experience there where my digital identity is not necessarily overlap with my reality. But when you think about it, like those people that are really success, successful on the internet, they either they're like the influencers where I still like, I respect them because of their, like their reputations, their credentials in reality. Right, mm -hmm. you went to certain schools. You're working at certain jobs. You did this and that. You're like a model that you're really pretty. You you take selfies. The reality, right? They earn a digital reputation by projecting their credentials from real world. But then you got to a place, and I say I'm like a game influencer. I frankly do not care whether pe people know uh, what jobs I have. I'm a woman. I'm a man. I don't care. I want a new reality. I want a new identity that is established purely within the digital space. And I think right now we don't really have that tool to do that. You can say, okay, well, but I am like the biggest streamer on Twitch. Yeah. But then that doesn't really bring you um, a lot of value, right? Like you, if you're the top streamers, then you make a lot of money. But if you're like just the middle streamers, Okay, well, you don't, that doesn't really, being a little famous doesn't really make you that much money. Then you see those streamers, those influencers that have like, are in the middle, they sort of like start to do like the reality projection thing where it's like, oh guys, I'm going to start a, a vlog, right? I'm going to vlog about my, yeah. my life. So again, they have to re like retract back into their uh, actual reality. And what I think Web3 is doing is that, okay, if you earn your reputation in the digital world, you monetize that in the digital world. And then, by the way, I'm going to help you build your reputation in the digital world with zero thing that you need from the real world. And a very good example of that, and may sound really dumb, is the, the, the PFPs, right? Like the profile pictures, the NFTs. If I buy one, you don't have to know who I am. I'm instantly famous. If I buy the expensive ones, right? Like if I buy 10 punks, 10 really expensive punks, you're like, oh, shit, the 0x whatever 587 is so cool. Do you know who I am? Do you care who I am? No, you, that, that's how I build my reputation. And in a very concrete sense, that is already kind of happening in crypto is that if I want to know um, a person, a founder, sometimes I just ask for their ENS. It's like, okay, yeah, I want to kind of like check out a collection, like see what, what, see what you have done in the space, like see what kind of projects you have support, whether you got on Gitcoin uh, to donate. I mean, it is not a requirement if you do. I really appreciate that. We are building the infrastructure for people to be able to build that reputation in the new space without bringing in the real world reality. And being able to build that reputation requires not just like your followers, not just numbers, not just attentions. You need actual assets associated with those accounts. And what counts associated with assets that everybody agree that you own those money, right? Like it's, 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 it's your, I don't know, your address on blockchain. So he hearing your answer, I realized that you are coming from a different angle, as in what Chris said was more like an infrastructure answer. So he said like this from here, from here, this will translate into this, 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 we need to align this, 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 and here it is web three while your answer was more like a cultural one. So we will, yeah, probably Chris Dixon is right. But on top of that, this is what will happen if we do it rightly. So, and I strongly believe you are right when you say that it's, 
almost impossible to define something as it happens. Usually, like my background is in history as well. So uh, we know that we can have a proper image about some facts only after many, many years, once those facts are, are, are like uh, done and the, the people are coming and they're uh, finding all kinds of documents to support their theories and so on and so forth. The history of the blockchain will not be probably written like that because we are digital, it's very different, but still we are so early and we are trying to define who the fuck we are. It's like uh, asking a four years old, like, who do you think you are? And he will say like, well, I'm this and this and this, but he will say like something, this is my name, my mother's name and so on and so forth. It will be not be something like really, really, uh, I don't know, important or like really yeah. something that would define who will be when when she or he will be like 20. Exactly. And then just to add on that point, you if you actually believe in that, there are concrete things that you can in, in like from the invest I guess from the investing perspective, you can invest that you know will be helpful when that thing becomes the reality. Right? Like yeah. um what is helping me to understand the person's um what and and it's on-chain reputation? What is helping those people to communicate? Like why is some NFT, some profile pictures better than the other? Um, it's so you kind of like part part of the, uh, the investment can be guided by the way you think about that, right? You mentioned gaming and you re recently tweeted, I want a fun game before I want a multiple token P2E uh, model that can make me 1000 bucks per month. Is it tech and money before US, UX, something that will change soon in crypto? The taking money what? Well, you know, right now it's more like we will build the tech. We will make some money and we will see how the UX will be further down the road. And mm -hmm. we've seen that like a gazillion times. Like right now, MetaMask is like, yeah, it's useful, but there is still no error button saying like this transaction cannot be done. You are seeing like you have to pay a gazillion ETH if you are not allowed to actually sign the contract. So right. we are having the infrastructure, the tech. There are some money that uh, were made and they are being made. And my question is, will we ever have UX before? Like, it, it's not like before, it's more like, will people build with a UX first um, um, approach soon, hopefully. Yeah, uh, I remember when I tweeted about that, and it was, it was um, so, so there, um, so there, this thing uh, is sort of like called in China. It's sort of ca called guild, but it's not really uh, for reg regular games. In which there are some games that are pretty demanding, uh, where you have to say log in every day and do certain tests to win certain rewards. So eventually we'll get to make, like forge this, this legendary weapon um, after you collect enough, enough diamonds or whatever, right? So those exist. They basically take your account and they help you to log in and make, make the, 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 to collect the thing and make you the, forge you the weapon for you yeah. and you pay them a small fee. So, um, and the worst thing basically right now is just that uh, these people are able to uh, do that in a more organized manner. And, um, but then that's uh, irrelevant to whether this game is fun to them or not, right? Like there were many, many years ago, there were um, an article actually about how <laughs> the skills are using prisoners to, because it's a, a super demanding job. You actually have to like, Stare at computer screens and yeah, gamifying the prisoners. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The article was about how horrible the lifestyle is. Yeah, staring at a computer screen. So right now, um, so a lot of games when you don't have a good experience and it, you already introduced a like a straightforward monetization path for them, people are smart. They're gonna game this the hell out of the system, and this is gonna be a down downward spiral for them, really, really fast. Right for any games that that so so what you really want to do so there are two approaches to this like the first approach is okay I'm gonna make my game design so good that you cannot really game me which is frankly a pretty good approach and 
keep in mind that we're not like crypto people are not the only person that are so good at tokenomics. Game designers are super good yeah, at yeah. designing game economics, right? So they have done that. Another approach is to actually build a fun game where people like to play. And even though you can still try to game the system, but a lot of people just really want to play this game. And so we have seen, I understand your question. Um, if I'm understanding your question correctly, you wanna say, okay, well, because we don't have the infrastructure yet. So we wanna build, we wanna raise some money. We wanna build first, and then eventually we'll get there and build a yep. very, very good game. And that's one way to look at it. But really like when you see like out there what most of the games are doing, they don't really like, it's not a blockchain based game, right? It is a game that have an elements of NFTs incorporated into it in which there's a direct path to monetizations for those people in which your game economies have to be really, really good. So people don't game you. But on the flip side, you do see some, um, I, and I've, I probably know like less than five, but they do exist actual on-chain game. And those games like Dark Forest, uh, well, the most famous example, those games, you then you got your a point then you if you're if you're that if you're that category then you really have to think about why the hell do i want to build on a blockchain what exactly does this bring to me other than people can directly monetize right and so if you're actually built on blockchain i can tolerate your experience being a little crappy I'm not gonna lie if you play dark forest it's fun for the first like 10 minutes but it get less fun you have to write your own bot to make it more fun <laughs> but I mean, I don't know if I played Dark Forest, but I played it. I thought it was fun for the first 10 minutes where I just manually click. Then I'm like, this is getting less and less fun for me. And I have to like, I need bots. <laughs> so, um, but that's like the, literally the beauty. And, but then we, when you start to think about, oh, I need bots for this. And then you realize that, hey, I can actually build the bots and it can run, right? And then, oh, guess what? I can even change the core game loop and I can redeploy on another chain if I want. Execution environment, exactly the same. It's XDI, I moved it to Matic. It's the same thing, I mean, I've seen it happen. Yeah. Um, and, I can, and I can change whatever I want. And I can game this game with my bots. You realize why that is, why that's why we want a chain, a game that is on blockchain is because of the creativity that's gonna come out of it. That is like that's brought by your gamers, by your like by engineers, by developers. They're just passionate about this, right? So, I think yes, I, I do. I do think that you you kind of like you need to make the game fun, um, and it is a matter of which path you kind of choose when you start out working on uh, on the game that is related to blockchain. Yeah, there there is always like the question of trade-offs and you have to be comfortable with some trade-offs no matter uh no matter how you start i'm curious to know if uh, your opinion about uh, because i want to touch the vc topic as well and i'm sure you've seen the beef between uh, mark andreessen and jack do you think jack is right when he's worried about vcs dominating web3 wait i did not say this I'm sorry. I, okay, can you tell me what happened? Yes. So basically, um, Jack said, like, look, don't tell me about Web3 because all the money will be made in Web3 by the VC companies. And he had an image where it's like Web3 and VCs are like taking like all the juice from all the projects. And his main point was that Web3 is not about the money. It's just like another way for the VC people to make money and make you believe that you are part of it. Oh, okay. Oh, and then Mark was And, and Mark smashed him, obviously, as you know, the guy. Okay. Actually, I think he smashed him and then he blocked him. It was more like, let me... <laughs> it was more like, this is my answer, but you're not going to see it because I will block you. So, uh, Yeah, huh. I mean, so you're asking me what, like, what I think of yeah. the whole argument. Okay, yeah. So <laughs> it is sort of like, I don't understand why this argument is specific to Web3 then. Like, yeah, sure. Then you can make the same argument to traditional, like, VCs. That's exactly that. one of the arguments Andreessen had. Yeah. It was more like, are you actually daring to say that we are making the money when, look, 
who is actually the uh, the shareholders for Twitter. Da, 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 da. Well, you you went up by having VC money and so on and so forth. So, and the recent point was more like you are like talking shit and you are like all over the place with your arguments. Yeah, I do think there's maybe okay, maybe I'm trying to understand what he's saying is that while we argue that Web3 is an open economy in which, well, if you're a creator, you you create and then you receive the full values of what you create, right? But there is an element to it in which the, the VCs, when they're doing venture investing and they're extracting that value out of it, even though we tell you that you receive whatever, how much you create. Yeah, I think I think his point was related to the fact that if you're a VC in, in like traditional tech, you are making money when an IPO happens or an acquisition happens. While in Web3, you as a VC, because of the tokens, you have more flexibility and liquidity yeah. to exit earlier and create actually maybe issues for the people who remain there because you have like a gazillion tokens and you have them vested after one year or two years or three years, which is not that not what happens in traditional tech when well, you can wait like 10 years and nothing happens. Right. Okay. That is sort of like, okay, this is very funny to kind of think about because that's sort of like saying, hey guys, just because the whole process of getting liquidity is more, is more convoluted, is less convoluted, it makes us feel less comfortable about you exiting. Because while well, in the in, in old days is a little bit more complicated, is a little bit more behind the curtain. So we won't be able to see it and so I feel better about it. And, um, but now we see it and it's kind of bad, but um, I do see the argument where, you know, like the whole exit uh, period got shown because of the, because you don't have to really wait for an IPO uh, or, or uh, acquisitions to, to exit. I, I see that point, but really it is a matter of getting the, well, first of all, it's the matters of designing your investing schedule, right? Yeah. Second of all, it is, um, it is you know, like talking, working with the right uh, venture partners, right? Um, I think at Dragonfly, at least, can speak of our other funds. Um, a lot of us actually end up like being really, really good friends with the founders and really like any is anything we got, like more emotional rewards by seeing them becoming successful than... Um, they're like quickly making money. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know this sounds kind of like cliche and cringy, but uh, because you spend so much time with them, so you really want to see them make it, and that makes you feel good. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. It makes total sense, right? And then you you are positively biased towards them, right? So you don't want to sell, even though you have the liquidity, because you think this is going to go up further, like, and because you trust trust the team and trust the project, right? Um, so yeah, so I, I think it is likely people kind of just dump. <laughs> I mean, we have seen people dump, but is you know I think it's a there's a there's a element of growing growing pain here as well. About dumping, I had like a, a funny story with uh, uh, with Joey from Pantera because I asked him like what was his worst investment and. He said, like, the investment was not bad. My judgment was bad. Because when Matic in 2020, when the team from Matic leave um, uh, went out of the company in December 2020, uh, he said, like, I thought that will go to zero. And it was one cent per token. Six months later, it was $2 per token because the guy who remained there, and he sold everything when it was one cent. Uh, and because the guy who remained built the team and so on and so forth. And at that point in time, like, if you think about it, Pantera, like cashing out could have been potentially a big problem for Matic, but still the guy pushed forward and so on and so forth. So, um, I, I really believe you are, uh, you are right. And that my feeling is that the VC funds matured a lot in the last like six years. We've seen like in, in not six, but five, because we've seen like 2017, 18, 19, it was more about like the vesting were shorter. Uh, the cashing out happened a lot. We've seen funds that were 
big back then. Right now, they are not so big because of their exit uh, strategy. Because the their exit strategy right now is not what the projects are really uh, uh, like enjoy seeing. So I think uh, I, I think the VC funds matured with the. Uh, with the projects as well, because we have better projects right now than in 2017 or 18, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, those, yeah, like you said, I, it's not hard to pick the right team. It's hard to size properly, mm-hmm. um, like how much you want to invest and hard to figure out when to when to exit. And um, yeah, I, 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 I'm not a uh, secondary market person. I can't, I have no financial advice from me. Um, so, but... You can only like the, the, I, I think almost of, like I, the, according to what I've heard, and um, is the best way to do it is to have an internal cadence. Like every funds have their own cadence, right? Mm-hmm. So this thing, 10x, I'm happy, but some funds are satisfied with 5x, and then don't don't really look at it later. Um, so I think just get some <laughs> internal peace from it. I think it's important. <laughs> we've we've seen like funds in the like three years ago when a fund was raising like 300 million it was like wow right now it's more like billions if you don't have like 1 billion it's more like well maybe you are not a big guy like electric raised like 1 billion recently uh my question is with so much money around which projects do you say no to and why which projects do I say no to? Yeah. As in like what the fuck what what the fuck they should do to actually say no because you have there is there is so much money to be deployed and mm. probably the criteria gets a little loose maybe? That's a good question. Well, I can tell you like what kind like and not like specific projects but what kind of yeah. projects that we say no to, but people probably usually don't think about saying no to um so like you said with if a fund size is big enough even though some projects um looks very promising right but because and like the fundamentals are all good um but because of how like uh, because of how small it is it is not investable for a fund of larger scale just because they cannot really deploy in size and the same thing actually happened with a lot of NFT projects, right? NFTs are great and their returns can be higher than doing tokens, but you cannot really invest in NFTs and scales unless you were doing like Punk or whatever, then I, well, then forget what I said. But most of the projects, you cannot deploy your funds and scales, which is why it is actually kind of hard. If you're a larger fund and you want to like uh, be NFT focused and want to make money in it because Say, let's say um, if you invest, I think you spend 2 million on a mint and that, and then 2 million on a mint is a lot, a lot, a lot, yeah, a lot yeah, of money yeah, yeah. Right, already. But let's say if you invest 2 million on a mint and all of them 10X for you and that's 20 million, but your fund size is 500 million. It doesn't really do anything for you, right? right. So um, that's, so basically, uh, you know, like there are projects, this kind of projects are, are very, very, very good. And um, we would invest um, to track them, but so it's not saying that we're like a complete note, but it's saying that we would invest to track them. But the hope is that we want to invest more in the future. And we want to, during that whole process, we want to help them to scale, to get to a point where we can actually um, invest in size. So those are the projects that usually uh, people think, well, this is very good, right? Like we also, we agree is very, very good. Um, but we can't really like just go full in yet. So we kind of want to um, help like grow with them for for like for a while before uh, we can actually uh, invest. And that's uh, precisely like you said, because the fund size are getting so big. Um, and um, yeah, so sometimes, sometimes that happens. Tell me one investment that you thought few would understand, but you were certain would uh, that it would be a home run. Few would understand. Yeah, you, you, you've discussed that project with some people and 
they were like, well, I don't, I don't think there is something there. And you were like, holy fuck, how, how is it possible for these people to not understand that, that we have like something important here? Yeah. Do, have you ever asked that questions to others? And do they have like an answer? I just want to like, no. I, I, will not, I will not tell you. You will not tell me. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I have to figure it out on my own. Um, huh, that's a good question. They, they were, they were, usually the answers are more like there was a project doing X, not like specific project because, oh. you know, you know, you're, okay. you're, you're, you're a VC. You don't want to like take sides or like. I remember I was, um, and it's still very early to tell, but I was very early on the, um, it's not like called DID, but um, it's sort of like very simple things where they help you build your social graph, like your social reputations. And that can be used um, for DAOs, say that you want to measure someone's um, contributions mm -hmm. and or like developers, right? And um, um, and you, you want to, um, 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 so like things that actually blockchain cannot, do not record, right? Blockchain can record how much assets you own, like what NFTs you own, but what they don't record is what I call it address-based social uh, net. Mm -hmm. So let's say if you tax someone on either scam, and then now you're on Zapper and you tax and tax this person again, right? <laughs> like and so like it's a so the idea behind that is it used to be the case that we have email associated with our digital identity. So we have that um, as sort of like our past to move move around in the internet space. But right now with addresses, we don't really, we don't, it's not associated with email and we have, we need, we need something new to be associated with it. Right. And a very straightforward example uh, and Etherscan they recently had a had a feature that solved this. Is that if you think someone is really cool and you saw their address on Etherscan, you cannot talk to them. Um, but now you can. Uh, now, now, yep. now with our whole new NFT feature, you can. So, um, so with the whole social, uh, the increase of social activities and on um, in Web three, I guess um, you need new tools. I think I remember I was like very passionate about it. Uh, when they're like, when the only solutions that I, I can find was ceramic, mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. So it's like old projects that used to do like the KYC, uh, the decentralized identity, they, they yeah. help people to KYC their customers, but they had like a side project that actually focused on this. And, um, but it is not a technically challenging thing to, to build. If you don't want to build something that is decentralized, that is. Mm -hmm. Um, so it wasn't like it, it, it wasn't like really in trend, but, um, but recently I've seen so many projects building similar things to a degree that I was like, wow, I, um, I don't know what are like, um, it's like a bubble or like people actually think this is important or, uh, what, it, what was going on. But I just thought at, at the point, I thought it was something that I, I was, I was looking for a solution. And the only thing I saw was ceramic and, um, now people are, um, very into it. I would say though, like, I know it is kind of like, um, cool to, it's, it's very cool if I'm, I'm right. And everybody was wrong. Right. But it is like, at least for me, I almost always just trying to stay like, um, I don't believe that I'm going to be the only person that thinks something is good. If I'm the only person that thinks something is good, then it won't get a social momentum to move forward. Like some, like a certain group of people needs to really think this is good. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, and I'm, I, does this stuff doesn't apply to other people that are super smart, that are visionary, like more visionary than I do. Um, so at least for like, like just me, I yeah. think, um, it needs a certain level of consensus mm -hmm. for it to take off. Yeah. Um, if I'm the if I'm the only person that's that's right, actually, um, on a like a larger level, then I will be like a little worried. <laughs> or 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 you are a visionary and you don't know it yet. Yeah, but remember we were talking about the contingency in in the development of the future, right? Mm -hmm. So. The way to think about this is this, right? Like 
it's sort of like saying that I'm right and nobody is right. And this is like more philosophical than anything, but like if I'm right, but nobody else is right, did I just get the correct answer of what this fixed future look like? Um, good for me. And am I doing a test? No, like, but if I'm, I am right. And a group of people, however small it is, decided that is also right. We form the consensus. And that is where the contingency happened that make that future. Right. So, um, yeah, but you still need to have someone who is stubborn enough yeah, to believe he's yeah. right. You need to have a, a level of conviction. Yeah. Right. And you need to like convince people. You say, okay, guys, listen to me. Uh, I really think this is going to work. Like your story needs to be uh, uh, coherent. Yeah. And needs to be convincing. Um, yeah. So, uh, I mean, yes, I guess you're right. Yeah. So you kind of have to like, convince a bunch of people, guys, this is something that I really think is going to work and uh, make that happen. You mentioned DAOs and I'm curious to know what are the biggest challenges for, for DAOs moving forward and which are some areas you want to see them innovating? DAOs, huh? I think what I like about DAOs is sort of like like what I think people like about it is actually the element of token is the new way of organizing labor um, in, in, in with token. And that wasn't happening um, before, right? Um, still using Guild as an example. They have existing game Guild in traditional games. They are like loosely like formed organizations with a bunch of people that are interested in certain games. They come together with a, a, a fixed goal, which is the um, which is playing the game and being good. Um, but then they really, they're very scattered. Um, and they have no way to monetize their passion. If you're good in the game, then you get a little fame from your peers, but really you have no way to monetize. So that created problems of existing guild in games are, 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 are just not organized. And if you manage it really, really well, it is a cash flow generating business, but it's not a scalable venture backable business. But what I like about DAO is that it's actually the token component. Like now you have a new way of organizing those labor, well, labor, those people, your members, um, and provide them a direct way of monetizing the, them being really, really good at this game. Mm-hmm. And, um, and there obviously is a lot of experiments needs to be done, but um, I think that's actually very, very exciting. That means that this organization that used to be just kind of loose and unstructured, but could potentially generating a lot of value for the game that they're playing. And it, this applies to other uh, components uh, where DAOs exist, but in in, in the specific example of the game where your common goal is to play this game, you game developer needs you to provide the feedback. You got the beta testing because they want to know how you think, right? So you provide your valuable feedback and you can directly be able to be rewarded by being so good at playing this, playing this, this game. And you have an internal way of saying, okay, now this is something we can offer to the newer gamers. And this is the infrastructure we can, we can offer to them for them to build like the mob builders, whatever. Um, like a lot of things can happen within that. And it all happens when they realize, wow, I, I I have a very, very strong incentive right now. Outside of the incentives of this game is very good and I like to play it. So um, it applies to other like DeFi projects that have a DAO. The common goal is that this DAO, this DeFi projects works well, right? And so, uh, yeah, I think actually like the exciting aspects of it is definitely definitely the new way that inspired for people to kind of um, organize uh, manpower. Celia, we are getting close to, to the end, but I have like three more questions. These questions are like less crypto and more okay. f- uh, philosophical. So while you are an active part of this cr- crazy crypto, right? Do you ever feel that history is being written before your eyes? Yeah. I, it's sort of like, it is sort of like you read about the history of like computation and, um, and you're like, and then, you, and then you realize, well, history of computation directly, like the internet happened. And then people are, you know, like 
building crazy stuff on top of the on top of mm-hmm. the internet. And then you you actually read that history, especially when you study it and feel like, oh, this had nothing to do with me. <laughs> and, then, yeah. and now like, yeah, and that's literally what I thought when I read about it. I was like, yeah, okay, good for them. Um, you feel like they're just historical objects. And now, now you're like doing this and you're like, oh, wait, like this is actually something that are uh, pretty, pretty cool. And people might actually write about it in, in, in the future. And so, yes, so definitely have like a feelings of the front row, front row seat, in fact. So there is some sense of history in this. Uh, what, what philosopher would have been a great crypto investor? Whoa, whoa, okay. I want to say Hob. I do not like Hob. And- <laughs> I mean, let me look at Evan Thomas Hop. I don't want to yeah. get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I, okay. So I think Hop, not to go to detail into this. Um, and I do not, disclaimer, I do not agree to Hop's philosophy. Uh, I just think that he would be a good crypto investor because his philosophy has a, a strong element of chaotic inside of it, right? Like he believed that people are born violent. And they um, and they are like really living to maximize their own benefit, their own profit, and um, they um, and they kind of like establish a social agreement to ensure they don't get killed by each other, so they can just maximize their their profit on top of that. Um, so th- he is actually very chaotic, and I think a lot of like. Being um, not okay, so investor. I'm not thinking about like the maximizing profit part. I'm thinking about the part where he would be good because he emphasized max uh, self autonomy and independence, right? Like you are fighting for your own, like yeah. you're sort of alone. Um, it is what uh, really, if you are in like a digital space and you are actually generating a, a whole bunch of profit on top of it, and you have no identity outside of it. Uh, as in that people don't know you outside of that, mm-hmm. um, you would like, you are alone, right? You're autonomous, you're on your own. If you got hacked, okay, bad for you. I really cannot retract that money for you. You cannot call up a bank. So you are really protecting your own wealth, protecting your own property. Um, and then you are trying to um, get really, really good at it, get really good at this game. So um, I think in that sense, Hop would be happy um, and be good at this, given that um, he, that's what he, that's uh, chaotic environment is what he likes. That was a very good answer. (laughs) I I bet you never, have you ever asked other people that question before? I'm curious. uh, No, no, no. This this question was especially for you. So uh, uh, the last question is this. Let's imagine it's 2009 and you are Satoshi but you know everything that we learned in the meantime. What would you do differently to change the course of history? Wow, okay. I don't know whether I would, I like that question. I don't know whether um, I would do anything. I mean, what he designed is actually perfect, right? And he, okay, not to be like a Bitcoin shill, like a boring Bitcoin Bitcoin shill, But what he designed is actually perfect in the sense that it is so simple and straightforward that he was able to have the insight that this thing is not going to break. And like when you look at the, which is also like a like a like a demonstration of that is Bitcoin core development is very boring. And no offense to core developer for Bitcoins, it's not like there's so much contention. People like argue about it all the time. It's such a huge event. Uh, I guess some people, some things are like taboo or whatever. So uh, some things are exciting, but it's not like a social event where people need to talk about it. Like remember like the, the whole gas war and mm-hmm. for Ethereum. But so what the heat design is very, very simple and anyone can run a node. And I don't think can do the same for any other chain. I mean, I could be wrong here, but definitely with more difficulty, uh, than with Bitcoin. And I think that is the beauty of it. Like it was, it was just unbreakable. Like that's why while we talk about the limited supply and that's what got a lot of people to believe in Bitcoin. But what I think really got me to believe in Bitcoin is 
um, is that it is very, very straightforward and, and elegantly simple to a, to a point that you trust that this thing um, will only break when consensus break. It will not break because of the underlying tag. So I don't think I would do anything differently. I don't believe that I want to like layer on top of it, a application layer, um, which I know is what is more exciting right now, like what's going on with Ethereum and other chains. I just think that it, it has a like a very like has some beauty to being so unbreakable. And um, yeah, I I don't know. Like um, hopefully that doesn't sound like too boring where like I'm just showing Bitcoin now. I know <laughs> the hottest topic. Um, but uh, I probably would just do it and just like do the same thing exactly as the way he he did it. Um, and also it was like a good timing. Um, yeah. Do, what do you think? Do you have like a, have you ever thought about that before? This is for the first time when someone asks me back the question. Uh, I just, just want to know. So my thoughts are pretty much aligned with what you said, because first of all, the why why I like the question is because it seems more complicated than it is, first of all. Secondly, why I don't like the question is because it is a little bit counterfactual. I don't know if this is, is this a word in English? Is, is yeah, this, I think like, so. It, it's, it's like when you are trying to change some historic events that were clear in order to... Um, you are trying to change those events based on what happened afterwards. As in, right. do you think if Napoleon would have won, I don't know what uh, war, do you think that uh, the history of Europe would have been different? As in, like, these questions speak more about the, about the imagination of the one that answers. It's not like something you can do with that information because it's, right. it's a done deal. So I th the only thing that I think I, I would have done was to write a message in a block saying don't don't ever fight for the right of so don't ever fight to have just bitcoin in this world mm. as in uh, if if this yeah. is a good enough innovation and you really respect the 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 fucking work that uh, that I've done just don't try to convince everyone about it and don't be aggressive imposing on everyone. And I think that would have solved like many debates, many discussions. And imagine, I can't imagine, imagine the, the, the time many people wasted trying to convince the other, uh, the other uh, uh, side that Ethereum is better or Bitcoin is better or that time would have been used in many, many better ways. And I think if, you know, it's like Satoshi for this field is like God. If God said like it's bad to steal, well, we realize that as well, but God said that. And it's one of the 10th commandments, right? It's the same. If Satoshi would have said, don't ever fight for the right of Bitcoin to be the only one, probably the world, the, the word maximalism wouldn't, uh, wouldn't exist. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, it's sort of like you kind of want more instructions from the Bible um, yeah. so that people are clear about um, the, the, the passage forward. I, yeah, I, yeah. Actually, I actually really like that idea because I think... Um, I think precisely because there is like a, a level of like like a culty elements to yeah, it yeah, yeah. that makes it really really work. Um, so if you like, if you want this to work and you know that having it be a little culty that it's the, the the path forward, you probably want to be a little clearer about the instruction there. Yeah. <laughs> than than the, than what he left behind and um, never thought about that. So that was was pretty pretty interesting. <laughs> Celia, thanks a lot for your time. Tell everyone where they can find you. And that's a wrap. Yeah, uh, they can find me on Twitter. I'm always on Twitter. 
is Celia one, so C E L I A W A N two, and where they can email me. I don't know if there's like a little thing where they like type out the email, but it's Celia at dcp.capital. They're pretty easy to remember. So feel Perfect. free to. Thanks a lot for your time. It was super fun. Of course. Thank you so much.